Okay, as I mentioned, we're, we're going to um, just take a dip into Galatians because I want us to uh, think about what's going to govern some of our, our thinking coming into the new year. And so if you turn to Galatians, that's on page 824. This is one of the earliest of the books written in the New Testament, um, early on the life of the church, written by the Apostle Paul. And we're just dipping in mainly to, to one verse, but we'll look a little bit at the context to help us. So mainly we're going to look at chapter 2 and one verse, verse 20. But to, to help us, we'll start reading a little further back um, from, from verse 17. We'll read a little bit of another section to help us just to, to grasp a bit of what's going on. So from verse 17, chapter 2. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here we are at the first week in, in the new year. No doubt your inboxes and your media feeds and everything else you've come across will be talking about new year resolutions and new use and gym memberships and new diets and all that stuff. Has anybody joined a gym yet? Nobody here. That's because you're all so fit and healthy already, you see. So all this stuff comes our way, doesn't it? And you know, it's, some of it's really good, helpful. It's good to recalibrate. And sometimes we do get off to, to a good start with things, but the harder thing is to keep going with it and, and to continue. And that's something of the issue that was problematic here in Galatians because it's very early on in the story of Christianity with these people starting out anew. But while they get off to what was a good start, they, they very quickly started to move away from that into, into bad habits and attitudes of the past, the old them, that kept creeping in and, and starting basically to ruin things. And so if you look at chapter 1, uh, verse 6, Paul speaks to them in a very direct fashion. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if I, or even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, 
let him be eternally condemned. So what's happening here in this, in this young church is that some are being sucked into, into false promises of, of the worst kind. They've been taken in by a counterfeit spirituality. And the Apostle Paul is asking them, why are you doing that? Why are you turning to another gospel? And he calls it very directly. He says it is a false gospel, a different gospel. There's no gospel at all, verse 7. And he says that it is actually a perversion. So he uses very strong, strong words. And he's saying that their, their way of thinking about Jesus has become corrupted by these influencers of, of the time who are twisting the truth that they had come to know in Christ into something that, that looked really good, it, it sounded really good, it appeared legitimate, but actually was a perversion, like, like a scam. And drawing them back into an old and dysfunctional way of life. And they should know better. So if you look at chapter 2 then, verses 15, just a little bit up from where we started. He says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man, that a person, is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified or no one will be made right with God. So the point that he's making simply is that no one could be accepted by God or live for God because of a morally decent, morally good, if, if not perfect lifestyle. You cannot be in relationship with God on those terms. And so the obvious question is why, why you would bother to try. Well, if your motive is to gain God's acceptance in some way now or later, or in fact, when, when you die, the message of Galatians and of the New Testament is don't bother. Just don't even try. Don't do that. It's a total waste of time. Because that kind of acceptance comes only through what Jesus has done. And that's it. He alone is the way to a true and lasting relationship with God and a new, a new you. And so he says that in verse 16, it's not by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So the... There's a misconception about the laws and commandments that we find in the Bible. A lot of people think that you, you need to keep them to make God approve your life style and choices and approve your relationship with him. But all the law and commands of the Bible are not there to make you clean up your act. They're there actually to cause you to give up. They're there to cause you to give up and to go to Jesus and to trust in him and say, I can't do this. I can only trust that Jesus has done enough for me and put your faith in him. And that is what Paul is driving to again and again. And so that's why we have this theme of you died in Christ, now live in Christ. Because Paul uses this stark language in verse 19 when he says, for through the law, I die to the law so that I might live for God. So 
The law is not there to improve you. One of the key functions of the law is to smash you. The law is there to break you to bits. It's not there to fix you. It's there to tell you, look elsewhere if you want to be made right with God. So there's a catechism, the New City Catechism, and it has a kid's mode, uh, which helps us, even the grown-ups. And we use it in our house. And just the last one we did actually was, since no one can keep the law, what is its purpose? It comes with songs. So I go around all the time, I find myself singing this one in particular. I'll not do it for now. But since no one can keep the law, what is its purpose? And the answer is that we may know the holy nature and will of God and the sinful nature and disobedience of our hearts and thus our need of a savior. Now, Paul had learned that. He knew the law inside out and tried to keep it all, but he discovered that he wasn't actually living for God at all. He renounced all of that past. He said it was worthless. He walked away from it and he started living by faith in Jesus only. And he's asking these guys, now why are you walking away from that? That's what this letter is all about. Now, I know it's uh, Christmas has gone, but I still have a prop, I think, in my bag today. Let me see. Yeah, I have a little one. So uh, Jonah, my son, was sent this by a friend in America. So you can see the words Jesus on one, word Jesus on one side and the cross in the back. And then there's my friend's handwriting. And on the back, it has Galatians 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You might you take a step back and think, you know, that's actually quite an odd thing to send a 12-year-old something that refers to capital punishment and one of the worst ever in human history and put it on a nice little tag for Christmas. It is a bit dark. I mean, we need to acknowledge it. It, is, it does sound quite odd. And we think of the crucifixion as of Christ as something done to him, not something done with or to us, but we are being given this frame of mind and way of thinking here in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, with Christ, and I no longer live. So that's why this theme comes out that we're thinking about today. You died with Christ, now live with Christ. Because Jesus died, we who have put our faith in only what he has done and let go of all the stuff we've tried to do, we are connected to him. There's this deeply personal bond between us and Jesus. And so that means that where he goes, we go. What he achieves, we have achieved. What he has done, we have done because we are in him. There's this union we have in Christ. And because Christ was crucified, we too were crucified. Now that, that may sound like a terrible 
but actually it's deeply liberating because the worst penalty the law could demand for not keeping it was, of course, death. Death was demanded for lawbreakers, and Jesus bore our death as our substitute, and he died in our place, and so in effect, we died too. That's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Now, lots of memorable uh, things that my father-in-law said uh, and did. Um, He died a couple of years ago, but on one um, moment of hilarity that only he can come up with and my mother-in-law, they were out in the, in the yard on the farm, and I don't know what she did, but my, my mother-in-law, Eleanor, she just landed flat on her face on, on the drive, and she didn't move, so she was just on the ground. And so Sammy, my father-in-law, just stands over her, and he says, you've gone to glory and left me in this mess. Thankfully, she was fine. But there is this, uh, the hilarity of that moment was, yeah, you know, when, when you die and your faith is in Christ, you go to glory and the mess is elsewhere. It, it's, it's no longer your problem. And dead people are under no obligation to clean up a mess, pay a bill, or settle a debt. And Paul is saying that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So what responsibility do you expect from from those who've died? None. What what can they do to impress others? What can they do to impress God? We know that there's nothing. And that is why it is such a liberating thing. Because all of that sense of obligation is no longer ours. All of that mess is no longer ours because Christ has gone to glory and dealt with that mess for us. And we all look back on uh, our younger selves. I don't know if you do that more as the New Year's roll in, but we, we look back at pictures and we ask ourselves, you know, why did I wear, why did I wear that? Look back at our hair, if and when we had it, and say, why, why did I have that haircut? And, you know, why did I eat that food? And why did I like that music? And you look back and you kind of laugh at, at yourself and you laugh at the way you used to be and the things you used to be interested in. And we, and the posters used to hang up or whatever, but, you know, you look back and you think, yeah, things have moved on. I've moved on. I've changed. I find it hard even to relate to that, to that now. But our hearts are far more resistant to change, that fundamental core of our identity, far more resistant. And we tend to keep going back to, to what we know and where we're comfortable and where our bent and lean is. And... Paul as a person was looking back in his old self and all his religious effort, and he says, that person's not just changed or or different, that person is dead. He died to all that that person represented. That life had nothing to contribute to who he was now and had nothing to contribute to how he related to God. Paul died to his own moral effort when he died in Christ. He died to trying harder, to self-reliance, to all his religious achievements and and pride. And he saw the cross for what it is, the the death of any notion of working our way into or maintaining our sense of God's favor. And so he's asking them, why have you moved away from that? You died 
in Christ? Why now are you being taken in by something about what you're doing? Because none of us can stand on our own achievements. We can only stand in the achievements of, of Jesus. And so if we are to live truly and be changed and enjoy life and liberty in God and in the gospel, we must first die. And die we did if we have exercised faith in Christ. To be any kind of new you going forward this year or any year, we must be made new in Christ. And we are so cemented into him that we are in union with him. Because we died with him, we have nothing further to fear, nothing to prove, nothing to pay, no obligation to meet. Jesus kept the law perfectly on our behalf. Its requirements are met. He died on our behalf for all of our failure. And so we, like Paul, can say, you know, we had an old way of life, but that old way of life has nothing to contribute to who we are now or how we go forward in terms of the vibrancy of our relationship with God. It's dead and buried. There's no more old me. You died in Christ. And so now live in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We were away in Northern Ireland over the holidays and on the 30th of December, in one of the garages, what do you think was for sale? Sorry? Hot cross buns, no. Not only cream eggs, Lucy, but Easter eggs. Full wall of Easter eggs. The 30th of December. Isn't that crazy? You think, that's just ridiculous, you know? That's just, that's just wrong. That's far too early. Whatever but a cream egg, you can accept cream egg, okay. But, you know, the full-on Easter egg thing, it's just ridiculous. But from a, from a uh, Christian point of view, from a biblical point of view, it's never too early to consider the implications of Easter because Easter is not seasonal. It's our everyday story because the death and resurrection of Jesus enables us to live for Christ, to live in Christ. It's the source of the new you, Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see how foundational his connection is with Jesus. He lives in me. He lives for me. I live in in the Son of God by faith. That's how I live this life that I have in the body. And this resurrection and truth of everything that Jesus has done is something that informs everything that's, that Paul now lives for. We live by it. We live in Christ because Christ lives in us. His spirit gives us life. And Paul, in his old life, had been consumed with morality and, and zeal of the wrong kind. He thought that he was a good person but now his passion has been radically changed from that life to Christ. 
In Christ, we are free, we have liberty, we have joy, we have nothing to prove because we no longer live for ourselves or by ourselves, but we live in Christ and for Christ. He lives in us. We trust in Jesus Christ. We are made right with God through him and we're given that great liberty to live by faith in him. And so our freedom and our joy, our sense of self comes from Jesus and our connection to what he has done. It's not in any way connected to ourselves or what we have done right or wrongly. So nothing stands in the way, therefore, of any one of us knowing that same freedom, that same forgiveness, that same liberty, and that same truth. Because Christ lives in us, we can live in him too. And so as this year begins, you know, what, are, what are you going to live for? And what is going to inform that? Whatever about joining a gym and starting a particular new lifestyle or program of whatever. What is going to govern how you live as a whole? Who or what is going to set the agenda in your life? Who or what will dictate how you are going to feel about yourself? Who or what is going to build you up or, or tear you down? Who or what will determine how you feel about what it is you are achieving or fail to achieve at the end of a day or a week or month or this year or decade? Who or what has the right to give that thumbs up to, to your life? The Apostle Paul had it all. Reputation, respect, admiration. He excelled above his peers. He was an achiever, a first century absolute total success story. Motivated, driven, zealous, powerful, influential, he encountered the risen Jesus and put all of that six foot under. It says it means nothing. He saw it all in Christ. He saw it crucified. And now he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what determined how he thinks of himself and how he interacts with the world around him. And he has nothing to prove because he is approved in Christ, puts no faith in himself. His faith is outside of himself. And that runs totally contrary to the signaling that we have today incessantly. Be yourself. Believe in yourself. Be the best you. Be true to yourself. And that's why we keep crashing and crumbling down. Paul is emphatically clear that he has no self-confidence. He has no reliance on self-esteem. He died to all that. And with that emptied out, Christ fills that void totally. He has now freedom to look away from self and achievement and all of the sense of personhood that that was thought to bring and to Christ and to his Savior. He now lives by faith in the Son of God. Everything about his life is linked directly to that living reality. And that is how he lives every day as a person who has faith in Christ. There are many misconceptions about God and about how his love is expressed. You see it in, in common sayings that you have in conversation with people. Where they talk about 
being a morally good person. I don't kill anybody. I, I am kind, you know, I, I'm a good person. And anyway, God loves a trier, things like that. God helps those who help themselves. All of those types of expressions are failing to understand the great liberty we have in Jesus. They dilute the power and significance of the cross and the complete, sufficient nature of what we have in Christ. And so if it is you're depending on yourself in some way, die to that. Put your faith in Christ. If it is you're living for some sense of a performance, of approval from someone or something, die to that and put your faith in Christ. Live in Christ. That's where true liberty and wholeness comes from. Live in the, in, by faith in the one who loves you and gave himself for you in the cross. Divine love is not abstract or remote, but it is clear. It is based on that explicit reality and truth and wonder of the cross. It's up close. It's personal. And we keep forgetting that and going away from it. We struggle. We might look back in those old pictures and think, I'm so different now. But our hearts are slower. And we need to keep coming back to this reality and to live by it. Through all the ups and downs that this year will bring or last year has brought to understand this beautiful liberty we have. We are loved. We are in Christ. He has given himself for us. So don't set aside the grace of God, as Paul says in verse 21. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So you died in Christ now, going forward in this next year, live in Christ. Let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for this great liberating truth, this profound and just immense truth that, that Paul's describing here. And we know that Galatians are not the only ones who, who can be influenced by things that are not in keeping with that. And we pray that you would show us where we're veering off from what is truly liberating, looking away to, to, from Christ to, to something or someone else. And... Help us to understand what it means to live by that, to communicate that, to be um, rejoicing in, in what that means for us. And so we pray that whenever we feel despondent or feel that we've really messed up or, or feel despondent or pride comes into our life thinking that we're, we're so impressed with ourselves, May we all the time be humbled and encouraged by the fact that it's not about those things, but about who we are in Christ, what he has done. We constantly return to that in repentance and faith, knowing that everything that we need is to be found there. So we thank you for these truths. 
and we pray that they would buoy up and liberate our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.